y'all. Welcome back to What Happened to Syria. Yep, we're back. New episodes every week, as long as no unforeseen disasters take place. Then again, we're living in the 2020s right now, so that describes the average Tuesday. This show has been on hiatus for about a month while I worked on a different podcast, a mini-series titled The Terror. It's about 9-11, what led up to it, and its aftermath. My plan originally had been to put out all 12 episodes of The Terror in September, but that just didn't work out. I had promised to bring back what happened to Syria by the end of September, so I decided to pursue a new strategy. I'm going to keep putting out episodes of this podcast once a week, while putting out episodes of The Terror about once a month. Probably on the 11th day of every month, because, you know, September 11th, so on and so forth. By the way, go out and check out The Terror, episode 1. We'll have a link in the description. I didn't quite plan it this way, but we're going to be doing about three episodes back-to-back about northern Syria and Syrian Kurds. We just released a bonus episode for free with a gentleman named Yusuf, who organized protests in Monbij. I always say that place's name wrong. Manbij, 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 I'm trying. We just did a bonus episode that has been released for free with a dude named Yusuf, who organized protests before he was detained twice by the Assad regime, and then once more by ISIS. I'm honestly surprised that guy's still alive. Yusuf was great to talk to, and I encourage everybody to check out the episode we did together titled The Northern Revolution. This episode, however, is going to probably be the most controversial one we've done thus far. Perhaps the single most divisive issue among supporters of the Syrian opposition is their relationship with Syria's Kurdish community. In fact, for some, not all, but for some members of the Syrian opposition, the only thing that they agree with the regime on is that Kurds cannot be trusted. It would not be fair to characterize the entire Syrian opposition as being racist against Kurds. It would also be unfair to say that all or at least a majority of Kurds either supported the regime or at least didn't support the Syrian revolution. That's just not true. This perception, combined with societal attitudes that go back decades if not centuries, has led to a schism within the opposition between those who accept and support the Kurdish struggle to have their rights respected versus those who believe that Kurds should be subordinate to whom they claim are the real Syrians. I don't know why, but that sounds kind of familiar. It's almost like the United States isn't the only country where racism is a major problem with deep historical roots. In 2011, a majority of Syria's Kurdish population opposed the regime and largely agreed with the opposition. Some were apprehensive given previous incidents where the regime deliberately pitted Kurds against their Arab neighbors. But overall, they were happy to see Syrians protesting and hoped that Bashar al-Assad would step down. In 2011, a majority of Syria's Kurds were more inclined to support the people who would eventually become the Free Syrian Army than they were to support either the regime or the people who would go on to become the People's Protection Units, or YPG. This would change, however, as the years went by. Today, we're joined by Peshmerga, a Kurd from Aleppo. Yes, Peshmerga is his real first name. We are not giving his last name in order to protect his family still living in Syria from potential violent retaliation. I have to confess to a couple things. First, the audio quality in this episode is going to be not great. I recorded this episode while I was house-sitting for my dad. I've never recorded there before. I picked the wrong room to record in. I did the best I could to fix the audio. It's going to sound 
different from previous episodes. You're also going to hear my dad's dog a couple times. The second thing I have to confess to is that I mispronounced Peshmerga's name multiple times in this episode. He spells it with an E at the end, and my stupid brain kept going back to that even after he informed me about how to properly pronounce his name. So, Peshmerga, I apologize for saying your name wrong. You were an awesome guest. We'd love to have you back on. And thank you so, so much for joining us on What Happened to Syria. This is episode 10, Syrian Kurds and the Revolution. Welcome back to What Happened to Syria. I'm your host, Sean Hastings. I'm joined by a very special guest today talking about Kurds in Syria. I'm also joined by my dad's dog who might sometimes make noise during this podcast, so we'll see how that works out. Um, how are you doing, sir? Can you tell us what is your name and, uh, sorry, just can you tell the listeners your name and uh, a little bit about yourself? Uh, hi, Sean. Uh, thank you for having me uh, today on uh, your podcast. Um, my name is Peshmerga. Um, I'm a Kurd from Syria, uh, particularly from Aleppo. I was born in Aleppo and grew up there. Um, I have lived in Syria until uh, May 2012. Um, um, I left uh, I left Syria because, or like, actually, I have I have to say I fled Syria uh, because of my activities against uh, the regime of Assad. Um, at that time, I was. Uh, studying uh, computer science at the University of Aleppo um, and I was like just like I think great majority of students at that time uh, like organizing demonstrations, spreading flyers, um, being active online, um, uploading videos to, to, to YouTube or like communicating with journalists uh, from outside Syria to provide uh, uh, them with information. Um, yeah, so that's me, actually. <laughs> and and when we were talking just now, you mentioned the um, I, I can't remember what you called it in Arabic, but you, you called it the flying demonstrations. Yeah, I mean, like it's like literally uh, translated because uh, at that time it was impossible for activists or like actually anyone who is against Assad to organize uh, long demonstrations. Uh, almost 99% of demonstrations at that time were like one minute, two minutes, five minutes, uh, like uh, especially in Aleppo, talking about Aleppo. Oh, yeah. Aleppo, Aleppo was like really too late um, with joining the rest of Syria uh, when, it, when it comes to um, demonstrating against Assad or like uh, taking up the arms against Assad. Um, but so the, the the Arabic word for that kind of for that kind of demonstrations was like muzahara uh, tayyara. So like it's like flying <laughs> demonstrations, which means like you someone starts shouting hurriya uh, hurriya or like Allahu uh, Akbar. Even even me, I'm not religious, but like it was like a trigger, you know, like you hear that hurriya freedom freedom or like Allahu Akbar, uh, and then you start. Uh, walking uh, with the rest of people because 
so he started working and shouting like Hurriya Hurriya, Ashabi um, Tisqat al Nizam, or like in many times when I was present at the demonstration, it was like Azadi Azadi, which is uh, freedom, freedom in Kurdish, and all these um, other slogans like Wahid 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 Ashabi Suri Wahid One One One, the Syrian people are one, or you know. Um, so uh, Muzahara Bayara was like really quick, very quick uh, uh, de- demonstration. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean Aleppo and Damascus in particular were, were exceptionally dangerous places to protest. Um, yes, um, during uh, the time um, I remember it was December 2011, um, it was for me uh, the first time uh, I demonstrated uh, with other people against Assad. I mean, um, in the context of the Syrian revolution or what started in 2011. Um, because for me, as a Kurd, demonstrating against Assad was nothing new. Um, for me and also for other Kurds, I remember I was 16 years old. Um, uh, you have, like in Aleppo city, you have a couple of neighborhoods which are really like Kurdish, where Kurds live. And every year, uh, uh, around like uh, 20th of uh, March, you know, like after 21st, you have like Nowruz, Nowruz uh, celebrations. So the day before before Nowruz, uh, uh, Kurds used to take up uh, streets and demonstrate against Assad. And so, like, I remember very well how we were beaten up by uh, Assad soldiers, or like you, you call them, like in Arabic, Quwwat uh, Hafsan Nizam, like not not very armed uh, soldiers, but like where the uh, the goal was to uh, to block people, uh, to prevent them from demonstrating. So for me, it was not like 2011 was for me not the first time uh, to demonstrate to demonstrate against Assad, but. It was the first moment in my life where and when I felt like I'm Syrian. You know, like the feeling of, for me as a Kurd, Syria has never felt like it's my place. Like I'm, I'm from Afrin, um, and Afrin is my homeland and then where I belong, but I had never the feeling like uh, Syria is my land or it's my country. And in 2011, when I saw people demonstrating against Assad, and I was like relieved, like finally people like Arabs and other groups are seeing what Assad is and are seeing like what Al-Bas regime has been doing all these years, you know, like, well, because every time uh, Kurds were taking up the streets, we were called out traitors, uh, Zionists, or like you are trying to divide our land. So, so 2011 was the first moment uh, in my life where I felt like, okay, this is Syria, this is my country, and I belong here, and I want to change. Uh, I want to change. It's enough for us. Uh, 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 you know, so, so it was really... I mean, it's it's totally changed now, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but but at that time, I'm 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 very lucky. I'm very lucky because I could I could uh, live that uh, live 
that moment, and I could I could uh, feel it, you know. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't last too long until it like uh, 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 changed and it become it became just the same old Syria, which is like for me now at that moment. If you ask me like about Syria, I was like okay, I'm not from Syria. I was born there, but I don't feel I mean like. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I can <laughs> describe the feeling, but it feels hard for me uh, to feel uh, connected uh, to Syria uh, as a country because you feel like you are rejected. Uh, you were we were hoping that Assad, uh, that overthrowing Assad will bring a new life to Syria, bring new. Uh, People with new, uh, with uh, with new minds, not not, not new mind, but like uh, different, you know, something different. Um, uh, Syria, where everyone is accepted. Syria, with like uh, everyone, regardless uh, the ethnicity, uh, the religion, or like anything other thing, you know. So yeah, sorry, I'm I'm a bit. Uh, I'm getting very emotional about this. Oh, that was great, man. That was, that was, oh, I'm sorry. That was awesome. Um, I need to apologize for some of the noises my dad's dog was making I, a few minutes ago. I've put him out. That shouldn't be a problem anymore unless he starts barking. Um, so going back, uh, just to backtrack a little bit, just can you describe what life was like um, for Syria's Kurdish population prior to 2011? What was it like for Kurds? To live under an Arab nationalist government, like you mentioned, Nauru's, for example, wasn't wasn't that holiday banned by the government? Um, like Nauru's, yeah, was banned. Nauru's was banned, so um, it it didn't exist uh, exist uh, formally on papers. Like there is something called Nauru's, but this, uh, we had like another uh, uh, like uh, how you say it, like mother state. It was in Syria, like. The 21st of March was a Mother's Day and it was like free day. Um, so you could have free because it was a Mother's Day, but um, saying like, okay, I'm leaving because of Nauru's or like I'm having like, okay, Isha, or like, a, I'm, I'm sorry, you're cutting out. Uh, can you repeat that, please? Yeah, sorry. And I think it was my internet was cutting out. Um, some of the some of the words didn't come through. So you're you're saying that like you so Nehru's was not a recognized holiday. You couldn't take off from work or school because of Nehru's. They'd they'd make you come in or punish you if you didn't come in on that day. Uh, yeah, but it was uh, either way. It was like free day because it was like Mother's Day in Syria. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so you could use it as free day. But like mentioning it as uh, like something special to Kurds, uh, you would face like punishment. Uh, and it was most of times um, all the all the festivities, uh, um, uh, celebrations of Nowruz uh, in Aleppo or in uh, in Al Qamishli or Al Hasaka 
and other parts of Syria were all, also like uh, always um, controlled by Assad, always controlled by the um, um, by the presence of a police, a Syrian, Syrian police. Um, and to be honest, I mean, it was not only the rules which was treated like this under Assad, the regime of Assad. You could you couldn't have a gathering without the presence of, of police, you know, so um, regardless if you are Kurdish or not, um, the only place people could uh, be together or gathered was like mosques, um, and even in mosques, you know, like you were all, you had always like uh, Mukhabarat, uh, same intelligence uh, informants were also present. Yeah. So, um, um, so not only in a ruse, but so a ruse was like prohibited. Uh, always uh, problems the day before the ruse, people get arrested. Uh, um, and for, as a Kurd living in Syria prior to 2011, it was hard. It was hard because um, uh, you would, uh, for example, I'm from Afrin, from Aleppo. Uh, luckily, uh, we had a Syrian nationality, uh, but many Kurds, for example, in the northwest, uh, north northeast of Syria, didn't have uh, Syrian nationality, and they were denied their basic rights uh, in um, buying properties or like. Uh, continuing their studies and the, in the in the Syrian universities, um, and in addition to that, um, as a Kurd, you couldn't um, get jobs in in highly ranking uh, uh, positions in the Syrian uh, government. And I will also here uh, emphasize it was not only the Kurds. I mean, like also uh, Sunni Arabs couldn't have. I, I, I don't I don't want to make it like Alawite versus Sunni Arabs or like right. any kind of like that. But it was like only the people who were loyal to Assad could get uh, to this uh, to this highly ranking positions in the government or any any uh, elsewhere. But particularly for Kurds, it was too difficult. Like, like Kurdish areas were left without electricity, without uh, uh, telephones, without any basic services. Um, uh, it was difficult for you. Um, I remember very, very, uh, like many stories about like this, like Kurdish, highly educated Kurdish men or women, uh, especially men, were forced to work in restaurants because they couldn't get jobs. Get jobs uh, because in Syria it's, it is normal. You know, like if if you if you graduate from the university and then you go to the government and you search for a job and you work like uh, uh, by a ministry uh, in Syria. So like like about eighty percent of um, I can I have to be uh, careful with with numbers or, or percentages, but it was like very difficult for Kurds to get jobs. Uh, as government, so uh, highly educated um, Kurdish men uh, uh, were forced to work as uh, waitresses, uh, to work in restaurants, or to work as taxi drivers, while they had like very um, high. Uh, they were like highly educated. Wow. So, yeah. they, so, so these people they're being treated yeah. like undocumented immigrants in their own country. 
yeah, yeah, it, 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 it was like that. And I remember, to be honest, I mean, like, I don't want to generalize. I'm very careful about, like, I don't want also to be, like, someone who is, like, calling Arabs racist or... But it was also, like, sensible. I, I lived, I've lived in Aleppo and I was born in Aleppo. But I remember very well, I was about uh, 10 years old or 11 years old. Um, yeah, I think, um, let me, yeah, 11, 12 years old, I think, if I, if I recall good. And I was walking in the streets and in the street in, in Aleppo, and I was living actually at that time um, in, a, in, a, in a neighborhood which was like a Sunni Arab majority neighborhood. Uh, so like not a lot of Kurds were living there. And I remember that moment very well when like two boys were fighting on the street and the one was calling the other like, yeah, Ibn al-Kurdi, <laughs> like son of Kurd, you know? Wow. As if it's an insult, like to, to insult someone, someone, like to say like son of Kurd, yeah, Ibn al-Kurdi. And I was really, really like shocked, like, what the fuck is happening? Sorry, what is happening here? Yeah. Like, what? So I went home and I, I talked to my father and I said, like, I just heard like two boys um, insulting each other. And the one said to, to the other one, like, uh, son of a Kurd. And my father, yeah, my father said, yeah, you don't say anything about that. Maybe they are ignored. My, my father tried to, to not, not to react. I mean, I could feel the anger in his eyes and, and how uh, he felt, but he said to me, like, forget that, because we can't, because we are weak, because... Uh, so he just avoided um, answering that question, you know, like, because I'm like 11, 12 years old and, and, and I have no clue what all this stuff is about, you know, like politics and that. And so for, but it was for me like a very big shock. And if, if I think now, uh, back at the moment, you know, it's, it's really shocking to, to imagine you, you are here. And yeah, it, it was shocking. It is shocking. Yeah. I, I mean, I know this is like slightly different, but I feel like every Syrian I've talked to has a story kind of like that where as a kid, they notice something that's messed up and they ask their parents about it. And their parents are like, they aren't even, they feel unwilling to even give a straight answer about it for fear of retaliation in one form or another. Like mm-hmm. even, yeah. even among, yeah. even among like Arabs, like, like you'll have these kids who notice all the things that the regime does that are wrong. And they ask their parents about it and their parents are like, don't ever talk about it again. Yeah, yes, that's right, that's right. And and to be honest, I mean, I don't want to be to sound very pessimistic about this, but like, we had a lot of problems in Syria. I mean, like, leave alone like Kurdish Arabic, Kurdish versus Arabic uh, stuff. But it's not like the Syrian, the Syrian community, or the Syrian society had like a lot of issues, like social issues, racism. You know, like racism, not only like. Uh, Kurdish versus Arabic or Muslim versus Christian or Yazidi versus Muslim, but like, um, like, um, city versus, uh, so suburb, you know, like, really? you know, I mean, uh, the rural areas, you know, like, um. city, 
I remember this very well when I was at the university and um, we had like this um, um, at the university you have like an office called like um, something yeah, like like a student, a student association uh, and belongs to, uh, belongs to the faculty and I remember that moment very well when um, there was a guy, I don't want to mention his name, <laughs> because he's still living in Aleppo and he's like very pro-Assad, uh, the guy. And um, he, he entered the room and he was very, very, very angry. He said like, oh my God, these idiots from, from Idlib, like, um, these this idiots from Idlib will take over this office. And by saying now idiots, I'm really too careful. I mean, like, because there was a, the, the, the said word, the word he has, he had said, it was like too, um, um, too bad, you know, like, so mm-hmm. he said, like, I, I don't, I don't want it. Like, these idiots from Idlib are taking over this office. And what he, what he was trying to say is like, fuck, these people from Idlib are really useless, uh, are really ignorant. Uh, we are from Aleppo. We are, we are better than them, you know? Um, uh, so the Syrian uh, society had like tons of issues about uh, social issues. Uh, uh, so sometimes when when uh, uh, I talk about like the Kurdish issue in, in Syria, it is not uh, a self-isolated problem. Yeah. It is, it is a part of a bigger problem, you know, uh, and and all this this um, lovely sounding uh, slogans we were repeating and shouting at the beginning of the revolution, like for example one one one, the Syrian people are one, or like It's such a big lie <laughs> because we're never one people, we're never one nation, you know. It is like if we are different uh, uh, and we have a lot of problems uh, so that's how I see it you know I, I mean I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not saying here we don't have we we, we have I have to st- stop trying we have to, to but for me, I mean, like to be realistic, being realistic is very important, and I just uh, keep saying, no, we didn't have problems. Uh, Kurds were living good. Uh, Christians were living good. Yazidis were living good. Or you know, like no, we had serious problems, and we have to tackle these problems if we want uh, Syria for all Syrians. Definitely. <clears throat> so, um, can you can you describe some of the Actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I there was a question I should have written down. I forgot to in the list that I sent you. Um, do you? How how old were you in 2004 when the uprising in Kamishli happened? Um, I was uh, 14 years old. Okay. Um, I remember that very well. Can you describe uh, it for the listeners? Yeah. Um, my, my father was, was very protective uh, and as I told you, I've mentioned a couple of minutes ago, uh, we, were, uh, 
were living in a neighborhood where like no Kurds were living, so it was like Sunni Arab majority neighborhood. Mm. Uh, we didn't, I didn't see uh, uh, much about 2004, but what I've said, what I've seen was uh, at that time we have traveled to 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 Afrin because originally I'm from Afrin and um, uh, like. Almost like ninety percent of Kurds from Afrin are uh, originally from from uh, from villages around Afrin. Uh, so we went, we wanted to, to to visit our village in Afrin, and I have seen like a lot of tanks, uh, immense amount of of soldiers in Afrin. I was like, wow, is this a Hollywood movie or something like that? Uh, that was the only thing I remember, particularly, you know, like for me, I've seen, I've seen it by my eyes. Um, at that time, my, uh, my nephew was uh, a student at the University of Aleppo and he, he, he demonstrated once at that time against uh, Assad uh, because at that time they were all also like not, not demonstrations, but Something like, like students try to express their feelings and anger by standing still, you know, like standing silent at the university. Yeah. Gatherings, Kurdish students at the University of Aleppo, and those students were really beaten hard and uh, taken into prison. And and, and uh, one of these students I have, uh, uh, I know personally. I didn't know him in Syria, but when I moved to Europe, he came just like me as a refugee, and he had a lot of health issues. And when I asked him, like, how come? And he said to me, in 2004, I was a student at the University of Aleppo, and I was one of the students who gathered at that, that time and, and tried to express our, our anger. And we were beaten, and we were taken to prison, and because of the, uh, the beating as torture, he, he actually had, he lost his eyes. Oh my so he has, god. Because he, he can only see with one eye now. Uh, and he has also a couple of other uh, health issues. And then he, because he was a student, and after he came out from the, the prison at that time, he was denied to return back to the university. So he couldn't continue his study and he just like went to work as in a, in a restaurant, you know, like. Uh, uh, so this is like uh, uh, stories which I like personally know and, and, and have heard of. And, uh, so and, and yeah. Did did you ever get arrested? Uh, no, luckily not. Oh good. Luckily not. Um, luckily not. Um, because I was um, uh, my my uncle. In 1982, uh, he was active uh, with other uh, men and guys at the time. I think you know the history of Syria when Hama. the brother, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, Ikhwan, uh, tried to overthrow Assad. Yeah, and he was also he was 18 years old at that time, and. I mean, we don't we don't know if he is living now or not, or he's uh, we don't know anything about him. Um, 
but what my dad has always told me like uh, please your grand grandfather just died because of your uncle because he couldn't hear anything of him don't let me die the same way you know and it's like, I mean <laughs> I don't know if, I, if, I, if I'm saying it in proper English but you know because the grief uh, my grandfather died uh, like for eight years long he didn't hear anything about his son and my dad was always like uh, trying to teach me or trying to tell me like please be careful I don't say like don't be active I don't say don't be uh, 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 don't demonstrate or don't participate in any kind of events but be careful because uh, I don't want to have the same fate as your grandfather um, and because of that to be honest I was always like counting to 10 like okay if I take part into this demonstrations what is the pro uh, the chance that I would I would be uh, caught by the police or if I do that um, the possibility of being uh, uh, beaten you know like always overthinking because before doing any action and I think that um, helped me not to be not to get arrested uh, yeah luckily yeah would you agree or disagree with the statement that for Syrian Kurds, the, their revolution started in 2004 instead of 2011? Um, I agree with that. And it started in 2004 because if you watch um, uh, the videos back from uh, the 2004 uh, uh, revolution of uprising like all the banners and slogans were like we want democracy we want Syria for all Syrians you know and the Syrian uh, the Kurdish uprising at that time was like it was for, for Kurds because Kurds were like uh, oppressed but the demands were for all Syrians you know it wasn't like we want to establish Kurdistan or we want to deny other people from their existence or, or, or. it was like we want Syria for all Syrians. The same slogans, uh, Arabs and opposition, or like other groups in, uh, groups in Syria, just used in 2011 to express their uh, demands. Um, so the revolution for us started in 2004, but unfortunately, um, we were always treated and we were always seen uh, like traitors by. By Arabs, and um, I'm saying here Arabs because, like, the majority in Syria is, is Arabic speaking, and, and, and Arabs. We were like always like um, people always doubted about Kurds. Mm, uh, we don't want a new Israel in Syria. Mm, you are trying to divide Syria. Mm, you are Zionists. Mm, you know, like all these accusations of like uh, always facing like no, I'm demanding freedom. I'm demanding democracy. I'm demanding a country where you and I, or anybody else, can live freely, can express uh, himself, uh, uh, herself, uh, regardless of religious uh, views or political views. So I agree with that. It was start. It is has started in two thousand four. 
Could you describe some of the uh, Kurdish political organizations that operated in Syria before the revolution? I know that there were a few that were kind of underground, so to say. Um, actually, a very interesting question because, like, and it's also because there were a lot. Yeah, I mean, every, everybody's heard of the PYD, but there is a bunch of them. Yeah, indeed. Like, like the PYD, Party Kitia Democrat, which was uh, formed uh, after uh, the PKK was banned in Syria. Um, and you had, for example, the party. Uh, which was called Party, uh, which was formed like it was long before the PYD. It was like in 1957. It was created in Syria. Uh, it was like the oldest Kurdish party uh, in a political party in, 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 in Syria. And the same party were divided up in, in the 60s, and then the same different parts were also divided. You know, like every every part. Of it, uh, had like divided many times, um, like you had split of split of split of split, <laughs> and but the main three, uh, if for me, uh, I, I'm not too old, <laughs> uh, so for me, the parties um, I've always heard of and like I've also participated in their activities. Uh, I was like two. Um, one thing also my father told my father told me like. Don't narrow your your yourself. You know, like work with everyone. And for me, so I have worked with with party. I have worked also with Yekiti. Uh, I have also worked with uh, with Payade. And I mean, with with the word work, not like actively being member, but like helping uh, with organizing events or spreading flyers. For example, at the University of Aleppo in two thousand ten. I have worked with the Yekiti party um, to spread like uh, uh, periodic magazines, uh, like uh, it was like collection of articles written by Kurdish writers about the Kurdish rights and the Kurdish cause in Syria. Uh, so, but but the PYD, um, the PYD and the party, which is like this party, was actually. How can I say it? Uh, uh, is con- like um, is inspired by uh, the party of Barzani, by Partia Democratic Padek uh, in 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 in, uh, in Kurdistan, Iraq. Hmm. Uh, so the party and the, the PYD, uh, like the, you can say the biggest or like the most influential. Parties, uh, political, Kurdish political uh, uh, bodies in, in Syria. So, so what is the PYD's relationship with other uh, Kurdish political organizations? Like, for example, Turkish state media often portrays the PYD as being like synonymous with the PKK. Is there any truth to that? Well, <laughs> um, I mean. Um, Let's just leave the PYD for a second okay. and look at uh, other other parties sure. in Syria. Uh, always uh, the part uh, the political movement in Syria were always connected uh, 
was always connected to to uh, Iraq and Turkey. And um, we, I mean, like uh, if we, if we talk about the Kurds and their existence, uh, the Kurdish existence in Syria um, uh, is too small compared to the existence of the Kurds in, in, in Iraq or in Turkey. Uh, so any or like almost all movements, all Kurdish uh, political Kurdish movements uh, were connected to their uh, Turkish counterpart or Iraqi counterpart. And in this case, if we talk uh, talk about the party, which was heavily uh, uh, influenced by uh, the PDK in, 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 in Iraq or the PYD, which was uh, heavily inspired or uh, had influence from from the PKK, and as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the PYD was formed in Syria as a response of the of a response to to the Syrian regime because PKK was banned in Syria. So the PYD was like a, 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 a different body, political part, a political body uh, uh, in Syria to 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 organize the Kurds. So um, uh, we like it or not, we are all connected together. And the problem here is when you say like the PYD is connected to PKK, uh, from the from an outsider, it would like it would uh, seem like that. But I mean, as a Kurd, for me as Peshmerga, as a Kurdish Kurdish uh, man, um, how I don't recognize the border the borders between, for example, Syria and Turkey. I mm. see myself connected to Kurds uh, from, uh, from, 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 from Turkey or, or Kurds uh, to, connected to Iraq. So the influence, the influence it, it, it must exist, you know, it must exist because we don't recognize and we must help each other. So like uh, uh, Turkey using uh, an accuse uh, PYD of having Relations of like PYD is an offshoot of the PKK. Um, uh, it 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 it's um, how I mean like uh, Turkey would say anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, the influence exists. The influence exists. Uh, but I'm not in the party to talk about the party, you know. Like if they are really uh, because many many people say like oh. The PYD has no um, uh, cannot decide itself. The decisions come from Pandil Mountains. You know, I think you know where Pandil. What I'm talking about. Yeah, Iraq. Well, yeah. sorry, uh, Bashur. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, Bashur. You know, Pandil Mountains, and the PKK decides, and then the PYD um, uh, executes uh, the orders. I mean, personally, I don't know that. I don't know that uh, for sure if it is like that. But what I, I really know is like it's heavily inspired, and uh, like it or not, uh, the PKK cadres has uh, have helped the Syrian Kurds actually like uh, to, to 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 train the Kurds to 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 help the PYG uh, uh, yet again uh, YPG to 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 train. Uh, to get armed and, and uh, to protect the, the Kurds in Syria. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely want to get more into that um, in a few minutes. Before that, though, um, I just want to backtrack a little bit. 
How how would you say that Syrian Kurds reacted to the Syrian revolution in 2011? Were most of them supportive of the revolution or were they kind of like distrustful of the opposition? Um, actually, um, most of them were supportive, um, but we were very careful. We had like, like at that at that time, Kurds had uh, realized like, okay, people are taking up streets, demonstrating against Assad, but let's not be the first one uh, who do that. Let's just wait. Okay, we will uh, support. And actually, what the people are doing now, we have been doing for years. You know, like the Kurds, the action of Kurds were like that. I mean, I have just also said that. Like, when the people started demonstrating, I was like very happy. Finally, other Syrians are feeling our pain and demonstrating against the Assad regime. And we're like, uh, every time uh, uh, an Arab friend of mine or like another Syrian friend uh, or activist like started talking like, oh, we were shot or like Assad is brutal. I was like, dude. We have been saying that for decades. Assad is brutal, Assad is a dictator, but you have never listened to us. Um, so most of Kurds were supportive, but we were very careful. I mean, even I remember that very well before I left Syria, I just sat down with, uh, like, I wouldn't say relatives, but people I know, uh, Kurds, uh, who, uh, uh, and they were uh, very loyal to uh, to the PKK and I have, have like I was like I said to them like it's our moment let's just strike let's just fight let's just take up the arms and and, uh, and uh, overthrow Assad and they said to me like yeah we want that definitely but you have to be aware of the Syrian opposition and the role of Turkey and at that time I was really like shocked like what what are you talking about mm. what's who Turkey, what Turkey, you know, like, what, because, I mean, it is very funny, I mean, uh, years after that, I just realized, like, wow, what they have said was actually true. Uh, um, Prophetic. Yeah, you know, like, like, so I remember very well, it was a woman, and I was like, yeah, we have, she said, no, I am, I am 100% with you, and we have to help our, because I've said that, uh, particularly, like, we have to help our brothers in homes. And she said, yes, we will do that. But be aware, they will stab you in the back. And, you know, as, and she started talking like that. And I was like, but I don't get it. How do you know that? How do you, because what Turkey, what is the role of Turkey? Uh, I mean, at that time, I was also younger. I mean, like, I was more uh, impulsive. And I was like, ah, oh, overthrow Assad, you know? Yeah. And she was, she was, she was, uh, I think, 20 years older than me. Um, I had long, uh, long uh, journey behind, like political journey. Yeah. Um, so as I didn't, I couldn't understand her. But years later, like it wasn't too late. I mean, like not too, too much later. It was like three years later when the Syrian opposition and particularly the FSA just started to, uh, to actually to, to, to forget Assad and 
point that comes at Kurtz and start fighting Kurtz. So, so you think that the reason why that happened was because of the the influence that Turkey held over the opposition? Um, um, not only that. I mean, um, let me give you an example. If you live in a in a society where where you always hear like black people are bad, black people are mm. from I don't know. You can't expect that in one or two years, people will start an uprising and will accept black people in the government. Yeah. You know, um, and, and the problem in Syria is um, the Syrian regime, uh, not only the Syrian regime, but it is like the hatred and the racism toward Kurds. It is very long, you know. Um, we were always compared to Israel. We were always like, yeah, new Israel, new Israel. So not only um, Turkey, but the people themselves, you know, the people themselves, um, even even uh, highly ranking people in the Syrian opposition, in the Etilaf Suri or uh, Syrian coalition, like still deny the existence of Kurds. And still they keep saying like Kurds, are not Syrians, Kurds just came from Turkey and go back to the mountains, we don't belong here, blah, 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 blah. Wow. And so Turkey has played a role in that uh, uh, because Turkey was afraid of repeating the same mistake they have uh, done in 2003 uh, when the American uh, invaded Iraq and the Kurds uh, got their... Um, uh, like the rise to have like their own at, uh, semi semi autonomous uh, region, you know. Mm-hmm. And even Erdogan has said that publicly, like we would not, we, we don't want to repeat the same mistake we have we have done in, in, in uh, 2004 or uh, 2003. Uh, so the, so the, the Turkish influence one um, the racism towards Kurds is two and. Um, also Assad, to be honest, I mean, like uh, Assad, Assad, what Assad did in 2011, he knows, like uh, we were against him. The Kurds they are against Assad, but what he did very smart, he was like, "Yo, guys, I'm leaving you. You know, just do, just do what you want, but uh, leave me, leave me, leave me alone." And he did that very, very smart. Uh, if, if you look at that, like, he just avoided any clash with Kurds. And until now, you know, like, he it's like some kind, I don't know how you can describe it in English, but like, leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Yeah. Um, um, with a few exceptions here and there. Yeah, indeed, 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 indeed like, uh, but it is like, not like an, an, uh, a cooperation, like they are fighting together or like they are alliances. No, it's like more like we just uh, leave each other to live, but at one moment I will come back to you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that segues pretty well to the, to the next question I wanted to ask you. What... How did the PYD react to the Syrian revolution in 2011? What What is the PYD's relationship with the regime? Um, 
Like the reason I, I want to ask you this because like I've I've heard a lot of um, Arabs and Turks went engage in hate speech against Kurds, and they often accuse the PYD of siding with the regime against the revolution. I was just hoping we could clear that up for the listeners. Good question because um, uh, the PYD, as I told you a couple of minutes ago, like from the beginning, um, when I sat down with those people and I asked, and I, I was started talking about like helping our brothers in homes, um, uh, they were uh, distrustful. Uh, uh, but what what they have. Uh, what they have they have done is like taking advantage of uh, of uh, what Assad has offered at that time uh, like guys if you control the Kurds if you control the whole uh, northern region okay I'm, I'm I'm grabbing grabbing all my soldiers and all my gears and leaving you know mm-hmm. um, I remember very 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 well um, in February 2012, there was uh, a demonstration in Afrin. Uh, it was, I think, it was a Friday. Uh, I can't check my calendar <laughs> to be exact. Say, uh, uh, it was, it was in February. I think the uh, the first. I think it was the first uh, weekend of the first Friday of February. Okay, so the Kurds took up the streets in Afrin and started demonstrating against Assad. And some people there started shouting uh, in Arabic, Allah Mahi Jashir Hurf. It's like very pro Jashir Hurf or like FSA, FSA uh, uh, slogan. And like uh, people affiliated with the PYD started attacking people mm. uh, and the acquisitions was like yeah some people raised the Turkish flag and some some other some other uh, uh, PYD affiliated persons started saying like oh we saw like the Ikhwan Muslimin flag which, which what they meant actually by Ikhwan Muslimin flag was like this the revolution flag you know like this uh, green white uh, with three three uh, three stars uh, so, so at the beginning, they were really hostile to, to Kurds who were like openly calling for the FSA to come to Kurdish areas. Mm. Um, they have attacked, uh, 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 for example, in Afrin, they have attacked people. Uh, and I, I wasn't, at that time, I wasn't present. I mean, I wasn't uh, during the demonstrations. But so I've told you, like people, some people said like the Turkish flag was raised. People called for the FSA to come to Afrin, you know, and always the PYD said no, we don't want the Turkish uh, the FSA to come to Afrin or the Syrian opposition to come to Afrin because we can protect ourselves and those people are supported by Turkey, blah blah blah, all the, uh, the cliches. Um, so indeed, uh, the PYD in the beginning. Uh, were really like um, I wouldn't say they were against the revolution, but they were most like we have to to wait, we have to have our own way, we have to have uh, uh, our own project because we can't trust 
uh, Assad nor the Syrian opposition. Hmm. So if so, if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like you're saying that in the very beginning, um, Kurds tended to be more supportive of the revolution than of the PYD. But as the FSA became more hostile to Kurds, that started to change. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed, because like people have seen, and I say it always, like it's so uh, funny actually, because the FSA has proved the PYD very correct, you know, about them. Um, uh, it. It, uh, it didn't, it didn't uh, last too long until the FSA has attacked the Kurds in Afrin in uh, in December two thousand twelve. Uh, there were like a brigade, Liwa Sukur Shamal. It was like uh, led by Amar Dadihi, uh, which is seen by many activists, Arab activists, like as a, an ultimate leader, a great leader. But it was just like, uh, okay, I don't want <laughs> to get into that, but okay. So he, he attacked like Yazidi villages, Astal Jundu, mm. and started looting uh, the area uh, under the pretext. These are infidels. These are kafirs. These are not Muslim. So, this so it didn't Islamist. last too long until the people realized, oh fuck, it is actually like that. Like the FSA, bunch of of idiots who are trying to eradicate anything which is Kurdish, you know, or also and, and also attacking Yazidis because like they are infidels. They are not Muslims. And then at that time and after that, also what happened is Sarikania Rasulain. Uh, when Jabhat al-Nusra attacked, uh, attacked uh, Sari Ghaniye and after that in 2013 when FSA started uh, has um, committed a massacre against uh, the Kurdish people in uh, Tul-Aran and Tul-Hasil which is like two small um, Kurdish communities there uh, close to Al-Bab city where it is now, which is now uh, uh, controlled by Turkey and, 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 and by, uh, by the FSA so uh, uh, at that time, uh, um, around 80 people, Kurdish people were like massacred, were killed by the FSA and Jabhat al-Nusra and all the uh, uh, other groups. Uh, so and then at that moment, people and I was like one of them actually, to be honest. Like I started like thinking of uh, rethinking um, how I looked to the PYD and how I I I consider them and also the. the the YPG, like, wow, they are right because the FSA is just like, actually, they are even worse than Assad when it comes to us. So why should we actually throw ourselves into them and like uh, uh, be with them? Because the moment they overthrow Assad, they will just turn back to us and kill us all. You know, like very, very simplistic. Uh, put it very, very. What uh, what year was all the what, what year did all the, this stuff happen? What do you mean? I'm sorry. So you you mentioned the uh, the FSA attacking Yazidi villages and then the the massacres. Um, was that 2012, 2013? Twelve. Uh, Twelve. And oh then wow. 13. So this is really early on in the conflict. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. It is really early on. I mean, like I have left. I've left um, in May 2012. And like a couple of days earlier, I just met those people who just started talking about like, be aware, be careful, 
they will stab you in the back and like a couple of months later the FSA just started attacking uh, al Jundo um, which is which is like a city village in Afrin close to Azaz uh, Azaz city um, one thing I have to mention actually um, like I think it's, it's it's applicable everywhere but everything had like two sides you know Every story has like two sides. Yeah. Uh, and in the Syrian revol- in the Syria, what's happening now? It's really complex. It's really complicated. It it, it is it is mind blowing. If you don't know the very small details about what's happening, it's too easy like to to be misinformed. You know. Yeah. I'm 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 not claiming here that I have the truth. That I have like the ultimate truth about Syrian uh, Syrian. Uh, war but um, um, and it is not always the case that we are the victims as Kurds huh? uh, every group every armed group in, in, in Syria has committed uh, uh, serious human rights violations and, and, and uh, uh, but but um, in general speak general speaking about the Syrian opposition and from the early days who were denied our rights to exist, you know? And luckily, unluckily, like, the YPG was formed, to be honest. The YPG has protected, uh, uh, Afrin has protected all areas, Kurdish areas, uh, where Kurds were living against FSA. Um, uh, one of my family members uh, was a girl, was the first fallen not, not very direct family, but like with four, uh, was was the first fallen uh, YPG uh, uh, member in 2013. She was fighting against FS uh, against Jabhat Nusra. Uh, Jabhat Nusra were aligned with FSA and attacked Afrin at that time. Uh, and um, and we can't say. Uh, everything about uh, YPG and PYD and like uh, we can also like uh, but what, what I'm trying to say is uh, what happened in Afrin since 2018 and what's happening now in Afrin shows us very clearly that the problem is not uh, PYD, PKK or Peshmerga whatsoever. It is like, it's like about Kurds denying the right to exist. Now Kurdish, uh, Kurdish language uh, is denied in Afrin. People are not allowed to speak Kurdish or to write in Kurdish or to learn their, uh, their language. Uh, Kurds facing uh, kidnapping, extortion, uh, torturing. Uh, Kurdish women, women are being kidnapped in, 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 uh, in Afrin. Yazidi Kurds uh, are being told either to, to convert to Islam or to live Afrin. Uh, and all of them are not PKK related. All of them are not PYD related, you know? Because all, every time we got into a discussion with, with, uh, with people which are pro, pro Syrian revolution or pro Syrian opposition, it's just always like, yeah, but the PYD, but the PKK. But the reality, actually, 
So the reality of Afrin now shows us it has nothing to do with PYD. This was always like an alibi for the FSA. Yeah, because PYD has attacked us, we we attacked back. Because, you know, like, it, it's, the problem here is not the PKK or the PYD or the SDF. The problem is there is an existential problem in Syria, the hatred and racism towards Kurds. And it's, it, shows, uh, it shows itself now in Afrin. And I think you are aware of what's happening in Afrin. Ethnic cleansing. Like one example of, uh, of what you're talking about, of like the anti-Kurdish sentiment among the opposition, an example I came across, and I think you could probably elaborate more on it. Um, at some point in 2011, there was a controversy among opposition activists who were disagreeing on what the country's name should be. There were some who wanted to change the name of the country back to the Syrian Republic. And there were those, even among the opposition, who wanted to keep it as the Syrian Arab Republic. Ha- have you heard of that? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it was in August 2011, there was an, uh, a meeting in, 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 in Istanbul, in Turkey. Uh, the Kurdish, Kurdish delegation demanded that the name Arabic must be removed from from. Syrian Arabic Republic because not only Arabs are living in Syria and it was um, it wasn't accepted uh, the demand wasn't accepted and I remember that very well because uh, the, the Ikhwan Muslimin uh, at that time was like very very proud of not letting that happen you know uh, and then like a lot of people who were like uh, doubtful about the revolution, just said like, see, we have told you, like, and most of them were like pro-PYD, pro-PYD, like, see guys, we have told you, they don't accept us. Mm. And, and after that, when also there was a different uh, conference in, in Cairo, when also like Turkish, as the Kurdish delegation has just uh, uh, left, left the meeting uh, because of the used terminology to describe the Kurds in Syria, uh, so it is like the name of the Syrian, uh, Syrian Arab Republic was not the only incident. Uh, there were a lot of other uh, uh, events where also where Kurds were like uh, really upset and uh, and got to know like okay now if you are weak and Assad is not overthrown and you are denying our existence, what will happen if Assad is gone? You know uh, and. From that moment on, people will st- start realizing, okay, we we may actually listen to the story of the PYD, and I and I should also here uh, emphasize the PYD had really also before 2011 had really great uh, uh, support from 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 Kurdish uh, from Kurdish people in in, in, uh, in in Syria. So it wasn't it, it wasn't like they just gained uh, support. The PYD had great support. And and because they were also um, uh, present in the uprising in 2004, they have proved themselves. A lot of, of the cadres of the PYD were also like uh, died under, 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 under the torture in the Syrian, uh, Syrian uh, prisons. Uh, so I, I definitely remember that, uh, that and Unfortunately, that continued happening, you know, 
it wasn't it was i think that in 2011 uh, august was the first one and it didn't uh, it didn't stop there it's still happening uh, until now uh, look at afrin yeah so ultimately starting from august 2011 if i'm if i'm understanding you correctly you're saying that the this alliance between arab nationalists and religious fundamentalists the muslim brotherhood you mentioned they kind of muscled out the people in the opposition who were either were kurds themselves or were at least supportive of kurdish rights mm-hmm. well peshmerga this was a really awesome interview thank you thank you so much for coming on uh before you go though i i'm just wondering is there anything i didn't ask that you feel that i should have Thank you, thank you very much. Um, to be honest, I mean, uh, it's not not the first time uh, for me, like doing podcasts and talking about Syria, but um, it, it, um, talking about Syria and talking about what happened in Syria and what's happening right now, it is really complicated, and I'm, <laughs> I'm really thankful you are doing this. Uh, uh, and it, it needs to be uh, done very carefully uh, yeah uh, like because it's not only like two there are not not only two sides like a regime and opposition it's like much bigger than that you know? yeah there's like there, six or seven sides yeah you know like you have regional powers you have the international powers you have like the internal powers and and, and also speaking of Kurds you are not also talking about one one uh, one uh, entity one like you know like complete entity also you have like Kurds who are like pro FSA Kurds who are like uh, uh, not pro FSA but also not pro Assad or like you know like a lot of um, categories you have when you're talking about uh, Kurds but one thing is very sure and I want I want also to emphasize here the Syrian opposition has failed, has failed uh, uh, in a great way to to be uh, a political body who represents all Syrians. You know, um, the Syrian opposition is not better than the Assad regime. Syrian opposition or the FSA is not better than uh, 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 the, the the SAA. You know, not the Syrian Arab Army. Like some people now in Afrin, uh, dreaming of Assad coming back to, to Afrin, you know, or dreaming about that, because the situation in Afrin um, um, is really like miserable, you know. Like there is no law, there is like uh, gangs who uh, who control everything. Uh, so my message is like how it started and how we wanted it to be, you know, like in 2011. And our dream for like Syria, where everyone is free, where everyone could be uh, Kurdish, Arabic, Christian, Yazidi, whatsoever. It is unfortunately, I don't know, maybe we were like too naive thinking about that, or I don't know if 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 I would I will see, uh, see that one day, you know, like Syria with where everyone uh, could live. Uh, free and happy and happy well thank you thank you so much for coming on i 
I know some people kind of look at me sideways as a, a white guy in the U.S. doing a podcast about Syria, but I'm trying to talk to as many different Syrians as possible and try to get as a wide variety of voices on here, whether they be Arabs, Kurds, Muslim, Alawite, Druze. I want to get as many different people on here as possible and hear from y'all. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, thank you very much. Um, uh, thank you for doing this and uh, I hope um, uh, all stories about Syria will be told um, uh, as I've said there is there is not only one story there are many 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 stories and all of the stories must be told um, there is no one true or one truth it's like it is how you like uh, how you look into it you know and if you ask Syrian oppositions about Afrin, they will say to you, we have liberated Afrin. But if you ask Kurds what happened to Afrin, we will say like Afrin is occupied. Peshmerga, a Syrian Kurd currently living in Germany. And I must admit, there were several times where I mispronounced his name because of how it's spelled. I saw the E at the end. I thought, I, I know he said Peshmerga. I kept calling it Peshmerga, so I'm sorry, Peshmerga, for saying your name wrong a bunch of times. Peshmerga is a Syrian Kurd currently living in Germany. He's asked that we not give his full name because he still has family living in Syria who really could face retaliation for what he's just told us. This is a complication we've had with multiple guests who still have family living in Syria. I've often had to refer to a guest solely by their first name or by a pseudonym to protect their relatives from violent retaliation. This is a reality that pretty much all Syrians who manage to leave Syria have to live with every single day. I'm increasingly convinced this is one of the reasons why so many stories about what's happened in Syria since 2011 haven't been told yet. Damn, what an episode. I mean, one of the reasons I created this podcast was to give listeners context to help people understand why things turned out the way they did in Syria. I've been wanting to cover the Kurdish perspective of the Syrian revolution for a long time. When people talk about the protests in 2011, there's a widespread tendency to either completely ignore Syrian Kurds, or they end up repeating racist propaganda spread by the Turkish government and its supporters. It's very easy to find people on social media saying things like, quote, the PYD is allied with the regime, unquote. Or some even go as far as to say, quote, the Kurds are all lying about being oppressed, unquote. I've even seen people make ridiculous statements like, quote, the YPG and PKK have no ideology other than a hatred of Turkey, unquote. Now say whatever you will about the YPG or the PKK, anybody who's ever read so much as one book about either of those groups will immediately know that's bullshit. Some people are not going to be happy with this episode. Some people are... Some people are going to strongly disagree with some of Peshmerga's statements, particularly when he accuses the Syrian opposition of failing to create a pluralistic environment for all Syrians. Even I was tempted to push back when he said at a certain point 
the regime and the opposition had been equally bad. I personally disagree with that, but I, I also get where he's coming from. Just in terms of who's committed more atrocities, the regime is hands down worse than the opposition. It's just a fact. But for a good number of Syrian Kurds, it has come down to a choice between those who discriminate against them versus those who want to slaughter them. You have every right to disagree with the choices made by certain Kurdish groups or individuals, but I think this episode will help people understand why those choices were made. What we can say for certain is that the PYD is not an ally of the Assad regime, and that a majority of Syrian Kurds do not support the regime. These pernicious talking points have been used again and again to justify atrocities against Syria's Kurdish population. Lacking the context that Peshmerga just provided us, plus widespread misinformation and sometimes outright hate speech, have contributed to a situation where people who really should know better fall down a rabbit hole fall down a rabbit hole of anti-Kurdish racism while attempting to learn about events in Syria since 2011. I personally feel that this is one of the most important episodes we've done so far. It may end up being one of the most controversial of our episodes, but that's just a risk we have to take. I won't be surprised to see angry emails or tweets or even end up losing listeners as a result of this episode. The purpose of this podcast is to set the record straight. If I wanted to, I could have sold out to the Turkish government and started earning a six-figure salary as a propagandist. I didn't do that because I'm not in this for the money. Okay, yeah, I do have a Patreon, but that's because I have expenses to cover, not because I want to get rich. I have to say, for too damn long, the discourse surrounding Kurds in Syria has been dominated either by racists or sellouts. I created this podcast because I want to put that to an end. I'm sick of the Grey Zone and Max Blumenthal dominating discourse around Assad's chemical weapons attacks. I'm sick of Vanessa Beely and Eva Bartlett painting Assad out to be some supposedly anti-imperialist figure. And for that exact same reason, I'm sick of disingenuous actors like Hamdi Rifai and the Daily Saba dominating and poisoning discourse about Turkey's role in Syria with baseless conspiracy theories and bold-faced lies. I created this podcast because the unchecked spread of propaganda across the internet makes me angry as hell. Thank you for listening to What Happened to Syria, a podcast about the country, the people, and their impact on the wider world since 2011. This has been our 10th episode, Syrian Kurds and the Revolution. Follow us on Twitter at SyriaPod so you can stay up to date with future episodes. You can email us at what happened to podcast at. <laughs> I can't. Oh my God, I just screwed up the email so bad. You can email us at. <laughs> You can email us at what happened to Syria podcast at gmail.com. That's what happened to Syria. That's the title of the podcast, followed by the word podcast at gmail.com. We encourage anyone to reach out to us if you think we got a detail wrong, like I just did there with the email address, or if you have information relevant to the topics we discuss. If you are Syrian, part of the Syrian diaspora, or have otherwise been personally affected by events in Syria since 2011, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show. If you'd like what you heard, 
If you like what you heard and want to support future episodes, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash what happened to Syria to support us for as little as $1 a month. You can get bonus episodes for just $3 a month and join our Discord server for $5. You can also get fan-requested content and a shout-out in each episode when you join as a VIP patron for $20. Shout-out to our patrons on Patreon, Jaeger DePato and Evan Kennedy. Thank you to all of our listeners. I'm Sean Hastings, the creator and host of What Happened to Syria. We'll see you next week. On the next episode, the Syrian opposition won't be able to contain their anger, their rage, when they learn about the torture inflicted on a 13-year-old boy named Hamza Ali al-Khatib and other children.